Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery Podcast. I'm the Chief of Engineering, Ken Gagney, reporting to my captain, Sabriel Maston. <laughs> welcome aboard, Ken. Hi. <laughs> Why, thank you, Sabriel. So good of you to have me aboard. <laughs> so we are still not watching Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> that sounds like we're protesting. I know. Like We should march on in Washington with our protest signs. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. <laughs> I'm thinking the the Discovery podcast where we don't watch Discoveries. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, there are probably a lot of podcasts out there that don't watch Star Trek. They could all intro themselves that way. Uh, but no, we're not watching Discovery because it's not back on the air yet. And it will be, what, January 7th? Is that correct? 7th-ish. I mean, that's a Sunday, so that makes sense. Yeah, or 14th. I have to actually check so I know when to resubscribe to CBS All Access. Yeah. And the 14th is when you and I will be attending PAX South together. Yeah. And if we had planned it better, we could have stuck around an extra day and watched Star Trek together that night. I know, right? What were we thinking? Honestly, instead, we're continuing to watch Star Trek from thousands of miles apart, me in Massachusetts <laughs> and you in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's almost like our paths will never cross over. Ha. Oh, that was a nice segue. <laughs> Thank you, because this week we're talking about crossovers and what we would like to see or what we might see or what we don't want to see in Star Trek Discovery, which is set 10 years before the original series, about 110 years before The Next Generation, 90 years after Enterprise. And if you're keeping track of all that, then that means there are characters that could cross over. There are plots that could cross over, as we saw in the fourth season of Enterprise, which laid the foundation for the Federation, for Data, for smooth and bumpy head Klingons, and all sorts of other different artifacts and intricacies throughout Star Trek lore. It can all be tied together if we so desire. And so we're looking forward to more seasons of Discovery. We're only halfway through the first season. It's already been renewed for the second. And we're wondering, what else might we learn about Star Trek lore that's been hinted at in other series, but which will finally be explained? Or who are we familiar with that we might see again in Star Trek Discovery? Sabriel, you have some ideas. Would you like to start? Yeah, you know, just even while you were doing that introduction, I was like, Wow, there's another one I didn't even think about before. Which one was but, that? Uh, oh, uh, well, we'll get to it. Yeah, that's a teaser. Keep okay. people waiting. Ah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking, like, what characters are still alive or were alive during this time period? One of the, some of the there's a bunch of ones that were obvious to me, and I'm gonna go right away to TOS era. Right now, Christopher Pike is out there on the Enterprise. We could totally see Christopher Pike somewhere. And I think that would be cool. Christopher Pike is the captain who was captain of Enterprise before Kirk, and he was actually Spock's first commander. Spock served on Enterprise for like 11 years, I think? I think so. And Pike, of course, was listed on Discovery when Saru asked for a list of the most decorated Starfleet captains. Yeah, and if Pike was the most decorated this early in his career, or at least on the Enterprise, like, wow. <laughs> and did that list not also include Robert April? I believe so. And he was the captain of the Enterprise before Pike. Yeah, and so we could totally see some of these captains that were in the original series here. And yeah, of course, we'd have to recast, but who cares? We've done that plenty of times. 
Sure. I mean, Jeffrey Hunter, who played Christopher Pike, of course, has passed away. Bruce Greenwood exists in the movies only, and I don't think we can have actors cross over between movies and the TV show, can we? I mean, I think we totally could. Uh, whether they will do that, I don't think so, because Star Trek or CBS thinks that will uh, confuse the, the confuse our viewers because they are stupid. <laughs> Is it a matter of confusing people, or are there actual legal claims? Well, actually, I think there are some legal issues here as well, because one is owned by Paramount, one is owned by CBS. Right, that was my concern. Yeah. So we probably, you know, if we were to see Kirk, he'd probably be like, like 12 years old in this show. But Pike, of course, is Captain now, as we saw in Saru's listing. So he would be old enough to show up in a reasonable context. How would you want that to play out? I have absolutely no idea, but hey, if, if we're in the universe, that could be perfect. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, if alternate Pike or alternate April could come in and not affect the main universe timeline. I mean, the mirror universe introduces so many different possibilities that, you know, you could just speculate all day long. Like, well, what if Janeway went back in time from the Delta Quadrant and went over here? <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of possibilities that open up with the mirror mirror universe or even does that still are valid within the prime universe now we did an faq episode of our podcast and we talked a little bit about the mirror universe are you suggesting that if they go to the mirror universe or if they're already in the mirror universe uh, honestly either way okay. either way because we still don't know where they jumped to at the end of the last episode right right and, you know, this is a slight tangent, but it never occurred to me until somebody mentioned it that even Lorca might not know where they ended up because he input the coordinates, but maybe it didn't come out the way he planned. Might not be the plan, or he might have just, had no, he might have seen those numbers somewhere and typed them in, not knowing where they led. Or, you know what, he might have just been boop, 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 boop. Oh, that looks good. All right, let's go. I think he punched in the coordinates intentionally. It just may not have been executed the way he anticipated. Possibly, yeah. All right, so yes, if they go to the mirror universe, we could see all sorts of characters. Usually those characters ha carry more weight if we are familiar with their prime universe counterparts. Mm -hmm. For a Discovery viewer to be familiar with Pike, they would have to have watched either the 2009 or 2012 movie or the TOS episode, like the one episode he was in, The Cage. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? I mean, Harry Mudd was only in the original series three, a couple times, too. That's true. That's true. You're right. You know, people don't need to have seen the 60s TV show or the 70s animated show to have appreciated Rain Wilson's interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Ken? Do you have any uh, people you think you could cross over very well? There are certainly lots of possibilities with the TOS characters, uh, especially Spock, for example. We've already seen Sarek. We've seen him and Burnham talk about Spock by name, so we know that he exists. More so than TOS, what I'm more interested in, we know from the 2009 film that Scotty, by the time he joins the Enterprise, at some point in his Starfleet career, has met Jonathan Archer. You're right, you're right, because timeline didn't change until a certain point. Right. Enterprise is the only Star Trek show that is canon in all universes. You're right, you're right. So far, anyway. Yeah. Right. Because the temporal incursion that created the Kelvin universe didn't occur until, like, 80 years after Enterprise. So that era remains unaffected. And so we have a Captain Archer. I believe he was even mentioned also on that list of most decorated captains. Mm-hmm. So we know that Scott Bakula's character lived long enough to meet Scotty, which means he's probably alive in the Discovery era, which is 10 years before Scotty joins the Enterprise. 
Yeah, good good catch. I had not thought of that. So I would like to see a really old Scott Bakula, just like we saw a really old DeForest Kelly on mm-hmm. Encounter at Farpoint. Oh boy. What? <laughs> I can't not make that reference whenever I hear Scott Bakula. <laughs> I think it's like the seventh or eighth time you've made it in I believe that. Lock. I think sixth time this episode. At least. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I would like to see that. I would like to see some reference to Enterprise because although it remains maligned by some fans in some ways that Voyager does as well, I thought both shows were great, and I thought that Enterprise ended on a really high note. You can criticize Scott Bakula's performance as Captain Jonathan Archer, but I still think he's an important character in the history of Star Trek, and seeing him would be really cool. Oh, absolutely, and I am all with you on this. I was. I'm all for more Scott Bakula. I've loved him <laughs> since I was little watching Quantum Leap with my parents. And I was just happy to see him whenever I caught him on TV. For the longest thought I, uh, time, I actually thought he was the guy in the Zima commercials in the 90s. But it turned out it was not him. Do you know who it was? I don't recall, but it's not Scott Bakula. Well, if it wasn't Scott Bakula, then I guess we shouldn't care, right? No, no. <laughs> and then I saw him in, uh, in uh, Beautiful Mind. No, not Beautiful Mind. Um, American Beauty. Yes. And I was like, oh, excited for him there. And now I'm really, I had wanted to go back. Tangent, I had wanted to go see that movie for a long time. And now it's even triply or creepy after what happened with uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that technically does fit in with Star Trek, unfortunately. But <laughs> Yeah, I was a little disappointed that Anthony Rapp was not included among Time's Person of the Year. Yeah, actually, I think he was actually very important to help show men were affected by this, too. And there were men included, like Terry Crews, and it's also possible yeah. that Anthony Rapp was invited to participate and said, no, I've already said everything I want to. It's very true. We don't know that. We don't know that. But anyway, yeah, we might see Captain Archer. I think it'd be cool if we did. Unfortunately, my favorite character from Enterprise has died by the time we get to Discovery. And I am referring, of course, to Porthos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Porthos was great. I've been watching. I've been rewatching Enterprise again, and I'm falling. i It's always been one of my favorites, if not my favorite Star Trek, and I'm falling in love with it all over again. Oh, but maybe there can be like Porthos's great 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 granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what was it? Uh, oh, dang! In Carbon Creek is the episode I'm watching right now. T'Pol mentions uh, she she has the Klingon word or like Klingon de- translation of great grandmother and a guy i can't remember now it's actually i wish i was thinking about i should write this down for the show but i didn't <laughs> and also you know porthos himself had a mirror universe counterpart he did a little rottweiler i know it was the only time that we've ever seen a mirror universe counterpart be a different species <laughs> although we theorized that it was not actually the same dog it was just a different dog with the same name you're right actually the second time we've seen something different species if, it depends on your definition of species, though. Uh, clarify? Vic Fontaine. Yes. He, well, he, I mean, he was a human. It was just whether or not he was real. Yeah. And he was real in that world, in the mirror universe. But in ours, he's, in, he's a hologram. Or in ours, she says. <laughs> I think we are in the mirror universe right. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, very often when I'm talking about Starfleet or the Federation, I use third-person pronouns like we... Like, we mm-hmm. need to do this. We need to reach out to the Klingons and establish peace with them. <laughs> like, like it's us. However, I did read in one of the Strange New Worlds anthologies that Paramount used to publish with uh, sort of written by the fans, but nonetheless published under the Paramount label, which I guess kind of makes it legitimate. Mm-hmm. One of the short stories 
explained how Vic Fontaine, the hologram, gained sentience, and it's that he actually was a alien that came through the wormhole and infiltrated DS9's hollow suites. You know, that totally fits Star Trek, and it totally fits. I don't like <laughs> okay it, though. I prefer the mystery. <laughs> I do. I think I prefer the mystery, but I think it fits. It's kind of like when I finally read the graphic novel that explained Shepard Book's uh, background and mm-hmm. why he was so esteemed by the authorities. I was like, oh, that story's not as good as what I hoped. Ah, right, well, I will not read it then. There you go. <laughs> All right, so what's another one of your crossovers that you'd like to see? What's well, your wish list? Speaking of Enterprise, T'Pol. T'Pol is old enough she could still be around. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah, I think she would be... Uh, uh, Jolene Blaylock is a huge Trekkie, and I would love to be able to see her play her character again. And I think she would enjoy that too if the opportunity came up. Yeah, she had some great episodes. Not only Carbon Creek, as you mentioned, but also one of the most heart-wrenching ones, Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one where she basically is Captain Archer's caretaker. And uh, yeah, that was that was heart-wrenching. But she did it so well. And she played an older version of herself. Uh-huh. It's what made me think of it. Yeah, not Discovery-era old, but still old. Oh, and the um, uh, the episode where they're in the Delphic Expanse and the Enterprise meets the Enterprise. And Enterprise had gone back in time, like, 100 or 200 years. And T'Pol was alive the whole time. Oh, I forgot that. That Yeah. I don't remember that being a very good episode. It may not have been, but <laughs> we, saw, we saw a very old T'Pol. Yeah, so she was born in the year 2088. And what year does Star Trek Discovery take place? Uh, 2256? 2246? 4656? I was just watching the TNG Season 4, Episode 2 last night, Family, where Picard goes back to France, mm-hmm. and he's trying the wine, and he says, is this a 46? No, it's a 47. <laughs> or vice versa. So it's a 47, because we need to get a reference in. But you mentioning that, oh no, Discovery takes place in 2247, I'm like, oh, that must be when the wine was made. Hey! And <laughs> so I think to probably cool, especially since we have a lot of... Vulcan themes or Vulcan centric. I don't know how she would fit in exactly, but you know, there's there's plenty of stories to tell for Discovery, and so it would be cool to see her. I don't know what role or what capacity yet, but or even I mean, of course, a lot of, a lot of these could be just acknowledgement, but um, I think she'd be cool to have back. Yeah, Vulcans live about 200 years, so if she was born in 2088, and I just checked, Discovery takes place in 2256. So that is less than 200 years. So she would be about 170 years old, 880, definitely in the twilight of her life, mm-hmm. but certainly able to still be around. Yeah. Do you imagine any particular role she would play? Because other than Sarek, like, have we seen any Vulcans on Discovery? On Discovery, other than anything... I'm sorry, when I say Discovery, I mean the spaceship, not the TV Actual show. ship? No. No, we have not, because Spock's the only... Vulcan in Starfleet. Right. Huh. To Paul, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. She is very long-lived, and she is one of the uh, few aliens that was on Enterprise. It was, again, predominantly an anthropomorphic, uh, uh, human-centric spaceship. I guess the only other alien we really saw was Dr. Phlox. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I can't... He was Denobulan, uh, which is a polyamorous race, which was awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know how long Denobulans live... I don't either. We just know that they uh, hibernate. Oh. For eight days a year, six days a year, eight days a year. Your grasp of Star Trek trivia is 
incredibly <laughs> impressive. I continue to be impressed by this because I've only seen each episode of Enterprise once, and I don't remember him hibernating. But I think, but you're right. It was the episode. It was actually season two. Actually, just a few episodes ago. Uh, well, I, well, I had remembered this. I just watched the episode a few weeks, days ago. They had to wake him up. Oh, it was they were t- to Riza. That's right. And uh, I think at the end of season one, and Travis Mayweather had an accident while he was on the planet rock climbing, and so they had to wake up the doctor. And uh, he got woken up early in his cycle, and he was in his hibernation cycle, and he was just out of it completely. <laughs> it was hilarious. See, he, he uh, uh, oh, his actor's name, John Billingsley. He is an amazing actor. I just love him. And he played the role so well in the scene amazingly. <laughs> I do like him a lot, yes. He'd be fun to see on Discovery. I think he could really tweak Lorca and piss him off. Oh, for sure. I think their <laughs> styles are just completely antipodal. <laughs> no, he doesn't even have to play his own character. He can just make a new one, but I think he'd be fun to have back. Yes, we seeing John Billingsley. That, I mean, that's true. If we want to talk about crossovers in terms of production, we could have any actor from... TNG, DS9, pretty much, Enterprise. Jeffrey Combs has been on every show, so why not this one? Exactly. Uh, also, J.G. Hertzler. You know, he yeah. plays the perfect Klingon. I was, isn't he in politics right now? Yes. He was, yes. Or at least, I don't know if he still is, but he was a city council member, I think. <laughs> no, I think he was actually running for mayor or something. Maybe, maybe it was mayor, maybe it was mayor. I mean, no, you're right. He was a counselor, but I think he stepped up his game uh, to oh, run no. for another office. He did. He reprised his role, or he no, he didn't reprise his role, but he did do in one more Star Trek thing. He was in uh, Star Trek, uh, the one that forced CBS to screw everyone else over. Um, Axanar. Axanar. Yeah, he was in there. Oh, I didn't know that. He was, he was in the prelude to Axanar when they were doing like the documentary thing. Oh, neat. Yeah, yes. and yes. So I just looked it up, and he's not running for mayor. He's running for the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, he's upped his game. <laughs> Yeah, so that's he's going to be hopefully on the ticket in 2018. Uh, but let's see, three months ago, he announced his decision to leave the Democratic Party and run as an independent. Huh. I'm quoting All Wikipedia right. there. How can you not vote for General Martok? I know, right? Remember, people, if great people have power thrust upon them. That's right, as Shakespeare said. And I think <laughs> this would be... It was actually in DS9 as well. <laughs> but I think this would be a perfect role for him. I mean... I wonder if he will include his acting history in his advertising campaign, in his promotional campaign. Oh, man, that'd be great. <laughs> like, I want him to show up with a batleth and say, vote for me or die. A vote for, vote for Hertzler is a vote for Martok. A vote for Hertzler is a vote for honor. Restore <laughs> honor to the U.S. House of Representatives. Yes, vote yes. Vote Martok. <laughs> that Fantastic. Would be, I mean, that is a great crossover between Star Trek and reality. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what other kind of crossovers do you have for us, Bree? Well, uh, speaking of Klingons, I would love to see some of our traditional Klingon foreheads. Then we could show that maybe they're just different species of Klingon, different races. When you say traditional, do you mean bumpy or smooth? Uh, both, actually. So you want there to be three kinds of Klingons? We, now we already have them. <laughs> yeah, wait, we are. I mean, you want three to coexist in the same show. Yeah, and the original. I mean, we we know that with thanks to Enterprise, that smooth and ridged ones kind of coexist for a while, so it totally fits to have all three with there. And I think that would appease a lot of people, but it would also kind of 
mess with Discovery's own vision of them, so I don't think we're ever going to see it. But it would help tie in for some folks like me who would love to see. Like, I, I honestly, I'm still not a big fan of the new look after all these episodes. Like, I, I accept it, and I'm not going to say don't ever do this, but I, I would love to see the originals, or at least even the later series, ridged Klingons with the long, really long hair and everything. Yeah. For me, the distinction between the different kinds of Klingons isn't just about their hair or their foreheads. I think the Klingons we're seeing in Discovery are representative of almost an entirely different culture than what we've seen before. No, yeah, you're totally right. I think it would be confusing if we had the bumpy, or sorry, ridged and smooth Klingons showing up in Discovery as part of the dis- the Discovery Klingon culture. Because like, I... That that seems like picking up an alien f- with one look and putting it in a different culture, and it's a disconnect. Uh, that's very possible. You're right. But you know what? I, I miss our TNG-era Klingons a lot. Oh, Especially sure. if you're watching some of the later series again, even Voyager, whatever like that. Yeah, and even last night when I was watching Family, that's not just about Picard going back to France. It's also about Worf and his Russian parents coming to visit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it was fun to see that about... Worf still has this struggle between his Klingon and human heritage. You know, like, Guinan asks his parents, how come you never gave him prune juice? And they say, because Worf insisted on eating only Klingon foods. <laughs> or you just mentioned long hair. When his mom shows up, she's like, your hair's gotten longer. And later on, we see a scene of him, like, looking in the mirror, looking at his hair. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so this is something he was very self-conscious about was, you know, what culture do I belong to and how am I representing and honoring both of them, my parents and my birth parents? It'd be very interesting to see how that culture is reflected and represented in Discovery if we had different kinds of Klingons. That would be, yeah. fa- that would, uh, might be something that they would do in the second season because I've read that in the second season of Discovery they're going to address any continuity errors. That would be great because um, I know a lot of people were kind of concerned because Discovery. It, a lot of people felt Discovery was sold on we're going to see much more Klingon culture, and we haven't really seen that much yet. We have seen a lot more Klingons, but not we haven't had a lot of Klingon-centric episodes, really. Even if they've been there, that we don't see the culture as an entire episode instead of just parts. We only see parts of them in individual episodes. And it's questionable how much we'll be seen of the Klingons now that Lorca has jumped the Discovery to parts unknown. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but it seems like they delivered a pretty decisive blow against the Klingons at the end of the last episode. The war may be coming to a close. Yeah, it's a very short war. I mean, you know what? Wars don't have to be long. Right. They don't have to be long to be brutal and bloody. Right. You know, this one lasted about six months because there was that huge jump between episodes two and three. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And there's still some of that weird time wibbly-wobbly thing with the star dates that we have no explanation for yet. Yeah, in the penultimate episode, the first part of the season two-parter, mm-hmm. Burnham mentioned a completely wrong star date. Yeah. So hopefully we'll find out. Or maybe uh, nothing to it and they just made a mistake. Well, I have a crossover I'd like to mention. Yeah. What were you thinking? Well, this is actually what brought us to this topic for a podcast in the first place, which was that Jason Isaacs, who plays Captain Lorca, got blocked by William Shatner <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> And if I if I understand the dispute that led to this conflict, and it's been resolved, they have now unblocked each other, I think what happened was that in an interview, Jason Isaacs was asked, would you like to see crossovers with other Star Treks? And he said, 
Not really, because I feel like we're trying to establish our own identity. And when we have crossovers, it becomes more like a guest of the week, like a carnival show that people just mm -hmm. show up to see this strange thing. For example, it would be really out of place if we really tried to shoehorn somebody like Captain Kirk into Discovery. It just wouldn't make sense. We'd be doing it just for the ratings. Whatever outlet he was being interviewed by decided to run that under the headline of Jason Isaacs does not want William Shatner on Discovery. Yeah, which is wrong thing to do. They got a lot of hits for it, but not cool. Yeah, and William Shatner bought into the headline. He took it personally. He blocked Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs somehow reached out and explained the situation they made up. But nonetheless, what would you think of William Shatner on Discovery? See, this kind of fits into the thing where I almost kind of agree with him. Like, if it was William Shatner, what role would William Shatner have? He would have to be Captain Kirk. And that's the hard bit, because this is before he's even old enough to be in the Starfleet. <laughs> so we'd have to have some kind of time travel, a uh, wibbly-wobbly thing. For a very old Admiral Kirk, somebody who is as old as William Shatner is now, to be on Discovery, he would have to be from the future. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they can make it work. They find a way they can make it work. However, I'm feeling like, uh, William Shatner had his time. I honestly kind of feel. Uh, he wasn't in the movies, and... Eh. But you, you know that Shatner almost played Kirk on an episode of Voyager. Was he almost in the background of the, the Reflections episode where Sulu was captain? What I heard was that they were going to say that, remember in the TOS mirror episodes, they have the Tantalus device? Mm -hmm. What they were going to explain was that the Tantalus device, mm -hmm. and they kind of have done this recently in the books, it doesn't kill people, it just zaps them to another dimension. Oh, really? And they were going to say that the Tantalus device was used by somebody used it against Kirk thinking they had killed him and what they had actually done was zap him to the future in the prime universe kind of like how the Tholians sent the defiant backwards into the mirror universe and so Voyager was going to find this planet in the Delta Quadrant that was ruled by Emperor Tiberius Kirk <laughs> well, I have never ever heard this before <laughs> I can't be making this up. It's too detailed. <laughs> and for some reason, at the last minute, it just didn't work out. Like, I think they had, obviously, the outline of a script, but I don't mm -hmm. think they ever progressed beyond that. I think Shatner was open to it, though, but for some reason, it didn't work out. He's probably too busy on Boston Legal or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if that was it. I don't think it was a T.J. Hooker conflict. <laughs> 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 you okay there? Yep, yep, just caught me off guard there. Are you just thinking about TJ Hooker on Voyager yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was it uh, Rescue 911? Was that also Shatner? Oh my god, that show. <laughs> I used to watch that, but I only remember one one thing from it besides him. What scene was that, should I ask? It was, I well, you know, it was like, I just remember some little kid holding a knife and accidentally stabbing his sister as he's walking around with it. He was just holding it up straight. Oh, my God. And, of course, I mean, that's all I remember. If you don't know the show, it was a reenactment of 911 calls. And, yeah, so he hosted the show. It is normal, dramatic voice. <laughs> we have a story from St. Petersburg, Florida, where a child accidentally stabbed his sister. <laughs> I sometimes confuse him with Robert Stack of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, my God. I love that show, too. Because it had a very similar format. Yes, it did. Oh, man. I don't know if I can do an impression of Robert Stack, but I... <laughs> no, it's okay. I think we've put our listeners through enough. <laughs> oh! Whatever! 
I think we're going to have a number of people writing in saying, wow, I can't believe you got William Shatner on your little podcast. <laughs> and I'll say little. <laughs> That's right. We're just doing it for the ratings. Once they hear that Shatner's on, they'll come flocking. Exactly. And then we just pulled a Lorca, or where what um, Jason Isaac said. <laughs> That's right. And Shatner won't not block us. He'll actually say, hey, great for, to be on Transporter Lock. If we <laughs> just TV. get him to tweet that with a link and people will come listen. Oh, my God. Like oh, it was Sabriel. <laughs> what? Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, Ken, uh, on to the topic of the show. Uh, we started about a half hour ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have another crossover? No. Do you have another crossover? Uh, not off the top of my head. I'm sure I will think of some as we go on, but I think you have at least one more. I do have one more to go. Let's do it. There is another character that could definitely totally be on the show and we wouldn't have to worry about recasting because I guess we have seen one of these people on before. They've had no problem recasting them. Who am I talking about? One of Dax, uh, Dax's past um, symbiote, or, or um, hosts. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. We talked about that a little bit last week. That would be great. Yeah, we could totally see. I don't I honestly, this is the part that's, you know, sketchy because history in the Star Trek universe is kind of weird, but I don't know who was her host at that time, but we totally could see. Maybe Tobin? Uh, possibly. Because I think he was in the, he was in the, some of the books that we talked about last week, uh, roughly that era. So he could totally uh, kind of fit. Oh, he was in the Enterprise era. So, which symbiont, or excuse me, host, I don't know. But we could totally see Dax again, even just to mention. Off air, Ken and I were just looking up the host's timelines. And apparently, the ones that fit the most uh, would probably... The one that fits the most would probably be Emini. Because she was um, the one who mentioned Bones McCoy had the hands of a surgeon. That's right. But she was also a Olympic gymnast. And I think we would have a hard time getting her onto the USS Discovery. Yeah, that would be difficult unless they were... For some reason, watching the Olympics that are still going on, <laughs> which is cool to hear. <laughs> I mean, even if it was the next host, if it was Audra Dax, she was a politician. I believe she had a position on the commission back on the Trill homeworld. So she might not necessarily be out in space either. Yeah. Uh, but if it was Emini, that was the third host of Dax out of nine. Well, yeah, we have, I think we have seven known ones, and other ones after that were uh, beta canon, after Ezri. Yeah, oh, Ezri is the ninth? Okay. If it was Emini, she would be the third host out of nine that we know of. Ezri was the ninth. There are a couple more listed on memory alpha and memory beta, but those obviously are not canon. We've mostly focused on very long-lived characters, Archer and T'Pol. We've also talked about time travel for William Shatner, for example. We haven't really talked about time travel for other characters. Like, we haven't suggested that anybody from TNG, DS9, or Voyager could ever be on the show. Yeah, I thought about that. Even though we saw Commander Riker basically be on TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Um, sometimes it, Riker was never on DS9. Right, was that was his twin. Riker. It was not Riker. That was Thomas Riker. <laughs> yes. Spoiler. We, well, the, there are other people. There are Klingons. So we definitely could see more Klingons that we know of on Discovery. Like Koloff, Kang, and the like. Exactly. There is plenty of room for them to be on there. Uh, we don't know their ages specifically. I know a lot of them know Kirk. But they could be older. They could have stories. Or we can even see their, their cousins or brothers and sisters. 
But it does seem like having any major characters from other shows would require time travel, which to me feels like the shoehorning that William Shatner, that Jason Isaacs was describing. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be, I think that would feel forced. Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at more organic crossovers between long-lived characters as opposed to a special anomaly of the week enabling some happenstance. Mm -hmm. Now, something we've alluded to mentioned before, like, I would like to see other races that we do know exist. I would love to see Denobulans or Andorians. And I think I remember seeing a few weeks ago a tweet uh, about we'll see more Andorians in, in uh, later seasons of Discovery. I would like that. Because they are my favorite Star Trek species. Hmm. <laughs> Why? Why do you like them so much? I've I, I never been able to specifically pin down, but I love, like, especially on Enterprise, they really help flesh them out. Besides the antenna, those are cool. Uh, they have like four genders, which is cool. They live on an ice planet. I live in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels. No, but uh, I really like them. I think they're just cool, and I like their personalities, and I love Shran, who's also played by Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, so more Endorians, please, but even just more... Well, it's cool to see species that... New species, because there are hundreds in the Federation. You know, it's also cool to see a little bit of what we know, and so... I was mistaken. They're from DS9. Uh, there was the episode Children of Time, where they went forward in time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Dax had a new host. And also, there was the time where the symbiote was ripped from Jedzia's body and put into a thief. Yeah, into Varad, who was played by Don John Glover. I almost said Don that's, Glover. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so those two hosts actually are canon, but one was white from the timeline and the other was unofficial and didn't last long. Yeah. Anyway... It was weird for me to see John Glover after knowing him from from uh, Smallville. And he played Lex Luthor's father? Yep. That's right. I actually only ever saw the pilot episode of Smallville. I didn't watch it after that. Yeah, watch, if you're interested, watch like seasons one through five. But, you know, you can skip a lot of episodes because there's what I called Lana drama. Anytime Lana Lang was in there, it was him big, huge, dramatic hoop to do that I didn't care about. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Thank so you. So welcome to Star Trek Disco <laughs> Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery show about Smallville. Smallville. <laughs> and Cheers. And Cheers. And, and Star Wars. <laughs> Whatever Brie is watching that week. <laughs> well, I think it's safe to say that our fans, listeners, and audience probably have similar interests to ours. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah. And I <laughs> hope that we've otherwise. given them something to listen to this week. I think we're out of crossovers, aren't we? Yeah, it's, that was my list. I mean, like, like you mentioned, if it's not time travel or space phenomenon of the week, do, we, do, we have a very limited phenomenon. We have a very small window, I think. Uh, oh, yes, and Muppets. Our listeners love Muppets. Oh, yeah, more space Muppets. Sp pigs in space! <laughs> I would love to see a crossover between Discovery and Pigs in space. Yep, 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 yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Make it happen. <laughs> we know you're listening, Paramount, CBS. So that's it for this week's Transporter Lock. Sabriel, are we going to have shows on New Year's? I am all for it. I Anything to avoid family. <laughs> I think <laughs> you might have an episode in the can, so maybe we can rely on that and give ourselves a week off. Possibly. It's either that or we drink wine and talk Star Trek. Or I drink wine and talk Star Trek. <laughs> I have to get through my family holidays completely sober. Oh, man. Well, I, 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 okay, I, I joke about drinking, but I barely... <laughs> <laughs> but no, the holidays can be difficult times, and we hope that if people find solace in Star Trek, that they do that, because Star Trek is about a time when humanity's got their crap together, and we hope to get there, and we're looking to you for help. So 
Make your way through the holidays. Listen to Star Trek. Listen to Transporter Lock. And we'll be back with more episodes with a variety of tangents to entertain you with before <laughs> Discovery itself relaunches on January 7th. Yeah, well, I'm watching Terrace House right now, so we could. I'm wrapping up Aloha State. We could talk about that. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Maybe get some Sorry. Night Court in here. Do you like Night Court? Oh, my God. I would love that. I have season one somewhere. I think we talked about John Larroquette's character in a previous episode. Yeah, and Brent Spiner is on there a lot, too. So I, He was on there at least once. He was there more? Oh, yeah. He was on there a lot. <laughs> I know the character you're quoting, but... Oh, I didn't realize it was more than just a one-time yeah, cameo. He had, he had a repeat appearance. Even even Wiley Coyote was on there. Like the animated character? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to YouTube after this. So, Thank you so much for opening my world to all these amazing crossovers. Wiley Coyote on Night Court. This has been the Star Trek Discovery Podcast. This is Ken. This is Sabriel. Sorry. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Warning. Warning. Major spoilers for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Dead ahead. What did you think of Star Wars? Are you still processing? Wow. I mean, there was so much to process. I I mean, I get really into my movies. Like, I've had complete strangers say to me after a movie, sitting next to you was so much fun. <laughs> and so, like, I was bouncing in my seat. I was crying. I was... Oh, I, I just feel bad that Luke died. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I kind of saw it coming. Yeah, it's the same reason Dumbledore had to die, because otherwise the more powerful person will always be there to protect the younger generation. They need to get him out of the way so that the younger generation mm -hmm. can stand up for themselves. But, I mean, Luke Skywalker is somebody who we saw be born. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I've kind of always been there. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. It made sense that it was an illusion of him, because I was wondering when he found time to get a haircut. See, I, I sensed it was an illusion from right from the start. When I like when I first saw his lightsaber, well, what one one it was how did he get here if he didn't go with Ray? Two, I'm like if his lightsaber is not green because the blue one's gone, it's not him. And three, he didn't leave any tracks in the salt. Oh, that last one makes perfect sense. As yes. for how he got there, he had an X-wing. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Who knows if it worked underwater? I mean, I'm sure he could have lifted it up just like he did on Dagobah. Yeah. But, oh, but, but footprints, good yeah. point. Mm -hmm. they, they actually cut right to his feet one time when he was sliding and nothing happened. And so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's really astute. I didn't notice that. And his final word, see you around, kid. He was quoting Han Solo, right? It sort of seems like it. I think he's going to be back just in a different form. I could have sworn that Han Solo once said that to Luke Skywalker. Oh, it, it, yeah. It sounds like something he would say. Also, I was kind of... I, I This would have been ridiculously OP, but... After they, after all the ATATs, are they ATATs or ATSTs? ATATs, um, right? Yeah, the big ones are ATATs. Yeah. So after all the ATATs fired at him and he just brushed it off, there was this shot that was like almost over Luke Skywalker's shoulder, looking at the row of ATATs, and I was kind of hoping he would just like 
casually wave his hand and force push all of them out of scene. <laughs> no problem. But that would have been too OP. <laughs> uh, what did you think? I really liked it. Um, I actually, before the movie, I wrote down a number of predictions on my little notepad kind of thing about the movie. And I was kind of right on a good share of accounts because the movie was a mirror of episode five. You think so? Oh, totally and absolutely. It was um, it was a mirror, not a copy. Just a few off the top of my head. We ended on a snow planet. Yes, I noticed uh-huh. that. And uh, so, so the Haas and uh, was it Case? I can't remember the exact name. Um, but they kind of started escaping from a base too. Yep, and and the original movies, they both uh, they were fleeing in five and eight. And at the beginning of the movie, one of our heroes was at the end of episode five. Han Solo was encased in carbonite. At the beginning of eight, Finn was encased in medical <laughs> water okay. tube. And uh, there are a few more um, in episode five. We discover the importance of Luke's parents. In episode eight, we discover the non-importance of Ray's parents. Huh. So you see, it's a mirror. And there were mirror, mirrors in the... Uh, there was even the mirror scene. Oh, oh, and the strange visions in a cave. <laughs> yes, I thought of that. Also and, the, so th- and the betrayal a- of the code breaker was kind of like Lando Calrissian. Exactly. That was also one of my predictions. Like, we're going to have a betrayal of a, someone we thought was a friend. Huh. And so, yeah, it was... I was walk, going into this expecting episode five and pretty much got that. Wow. And I liked it. I, we're going to try to go see it again tonight, B and I. But I'm also sad because I could stand them killing off one of the original characters per movie, but we know that's not going to happen with Leia in the next one. Yeah, I suspect we're going to get some time travel. Uh, Just kind of like between one and two, there was a time gap between episode one and episode two. I think there's going to be a time gap between eight and nine. Yeah. um, I think we're going to see a new resistance build up. Especially given the end of this film with the little kids and the new generation that they're uh-huh. to. Exactly. So do you think Rey is going to raise another generation of Jedi? It's very possible. Wow. In some manner, yeah. So. I mean, it seems like the story of Luke Skywalker standing up to the canyon, uh, canon has already proliferated, given that the kids were telling the story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so I, I think 8 will mean more when we see 9, which is unfortunate that... <laughs> It might need another movie to stand up with, but yeah, maybe time will tell. Still, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you know, the good share of the movie it didn't get any of the yeah, hell yeah, a, a feeling of Star Wars that's common. You didn't get that w- when walking out of it, but I did enjoy it a lot, just in different ways. I think. Huh. I mean, there were plenty of oh yeah, awesome movement moments, but it felt heavy for Star Wars, I guess, in a lot of points. And some of the humor felt very much late 20-teens uh, weird slapstick humor. I can see that, especially with the Porgs. Uh-huh. And now that they're out of place, it just... Some of it felt a little weird. <laughs> but I can appreciate the movie being dark, because The Empire Strikes Back was the same way. Yeah, yeah. And I can too. So, But I liked it. Well, this has been Transporter Lock, the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> 